Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the PPC podcast. My name is Garrett. I'll be your host today. I'm joined again with Tobin Wilson. Tobin, how are you doing? Great. Good. Is good. it really the ninth one? It is. It is. Wow. The, according to my titles that I just keep adding one number <laughs> from the last one. So hopefully yeah. we're at nine. Uh, it's yeah. nine today. Yeah. Today is the ninth. Perfect. Named, titled the ninth podcast. Yeah. So today we're going to um, talk a little bit more about what we talked about last night at the village, which was Enneagrams. And um, I don't know a lot about it. I know that um, Mindy, our children's director, we talked about it about a year ago or so where she listened to the Liturgist podcast, which was probably like at least two years old now, about it. And um, we talked about it briefly and I looked at the numbers and I didn't do a quiz at that time. So that was it. That's all I learned about but um, I did a quick quiz and learned some of my numbers. And last night we talked about all the different numbers. And hopefully some of you listening um, have taken at least a basic quiz, Tobin. I know you mentioned that you want to take at least two uh, online quizzes. I, I've heard that the quizzes aren't necessarily the best way. Probably what they mean to say it's not. You need to do a lot of different. You need to do some reading about the numbers, taking some quizzes and doing some self-reflection really to get accurate, I would imagine. Um, but today we wanted to talk about how knowing uh, the different numbers that you are and the true strength and weaknesses, how that can uh, really affect positively uh, the way you engage with people, interact with people, uh, the way that you um, engage with people at your work or in your family or in your marriage. And um, I figured we could talk a little bit about the numbers and how Specifically for us, how we think maybe knowing those is a benefit uh, to us as a church, even church as PPC or just the kingdom of God, how knowing these things can make us better uh, believers. So Tim, why don't you tell us um, a little bit about, I guess maybe just kind of like um, self-reflective in general and how that kind of helps us really um be better individuals when we know ourselves better and, and how that it can help us in, interact with other people? Yeah, that's a loaded question. There's so much new content around this. You know, it's kind of fascinating, just ironically, that this is our ninth podcast. The Enneagram comes from two Greek words. The first Greek word is enna, uh, which is the Greek word for nine, and uh, gramma, which is figures. So there's nine figures. There's nine uh, types, nine personality types, according to the Enneagram. And this is our ninth podcast. How, how fitting. And it's like we planned it. Yeah. Isn't that cool? So yeah, we planned this like months ago that this was going to be our ninth one. That's right. And because uh, that's how far ahead we think. Um, I originally learned about this probably 10 years ago, actually. Uh, hmm. And at the time I was writing my first book, Arete Again, which was a retake on the seven deadly sins. And I backed my way into the Enneagram because the Enneagram tries to uh, talk about the nine different personality types, the strengths of them, and then the dark side of them each also. And and there are nine of virtue, nine virtues of each. I'm sorry. There's one virtue for each of the nine, and then there's one vice for each of the nine. So I kind of backed into it that way hmm. as a study on the seven deadly sins. And it's not, there's not a, been a, there hasn't been a lot written about it because traditionally it was an oral uh, teaching that was passed down from early Christian uh, leaders, mostly uh, from Pope Gregory the First, who 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 took the 
nine deadly sins and, and made them into the classic seven deadly mm. sins. And not a lot of writing was done on those until uh, the Age of Enlightenment in the modern era. And even regarding specifically the Enneagram, not much written until the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And, and the Enneagram has become just another uh, really helpful tool uh, over the last eight years or so, f- or maybe 10, for people to know themselves, for couples to engage with each other in a more healthy way. And then the more that you know about yourself, the easier it is to relate with a love interest and especially then to navigate work context. So um, it's really just a fascinating thing. The other thing about Enneagram is it's not a, it's different than Myers-Briggs where you're either an INTJ, that's what I am, or I used to be an ENTJ, but now I'm an INTJ. Uh, those tend to be a little bit more static. The cool thing about the Enneagram is it's not a static uh, way to look at yourself because it, it takes into consideration that throughout the course of the day, you're going to be in moments where you're you're healthy, you're going to be in moments where you're mildly healthy, and then you're going to be in moments where you're, uh, you're stressed. And depending on where you are in the moment is also gonna, going to affect the way you would do self-care for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, the whole thing is really fascinating. We're not going to be able to go too much into a deep dive here, but perhaps we could at least one more time for those that were there last night and for those that weren't there, at least um, get folks uh, interested in this because it's it's becoming a significant tool that coaches use, therapists use, pastors use, and just people that want to know themselves a little bit more. Uh, as well. The other thing, you know, just random thoughts to set it up. In the, in the church, I think we make a mistake. I mean, we talk about knowing God all the time. And for me, knowing God is really important, right? No one's going to argue about that. Mm-hmm. But in order to really know God, you have to know yourself too. Hmm. Uh, or the more aware you are of your own wiring, the more aware you are of of the way you roll Mm -hmm. in life, the more aware you are of the way God is at work in your uniquely wired life. So to prioritize knowing God at the expense of knowing self almost does a disservice to both knowing yourself and knowing God. And we, we downplay knowing the self because for some reason we've got this, somebody wrote this crazy rule that somewhere along the line we bought into that that's narcissistic mm. or that's too self-centered. That's you're too into yourself. It's too dramatic. When the reality is it's, it's good spiritual care. You know, it's care, it's soul care. So knowing oneself is a precursor to knowing God more faithfully and fully and knowing God more faithfully and fully is to see God at work in the sides of your life that you were blind to before. Mm-hmm. So it's this this kind of cyclical process that that spirals deeper and deeper and deeper into self and into God. So uh, anyway, I could say more, but no, that's really good. It made me think of, kind of time. yeah, it made me think of um, you know how is God work in my life? It really does depend on. Um, where you need God to work in your life, and that's different for everybody. I was thinking of a small example of like, <clears throat> you know, maybe one of the things that you struggle with and one of the things that you, um, maybe even you often pray is that you wish that God would give you more patience, maybe to deal with difficult people. 
And then you see someone who you appear or you think um, always has enough patience. Um, difficult people don't get them down. And you begin to wonder either <clears throat> what's wrong with me, like why does it difficult people frustrate me, or why isn't God giving me the patience that I ask for? Um, you know, whether or not he is or he isn't, the fact that uh, those kind of fall in line with probably different personalities. And it doesn't mean that God is giving that person more patience or that they somehow have more strength to deal with difficult people and, and you lack strength. It could just be the way that people's personalities are. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's yeah. something that's, um, that is difficult for you and not difficult for somebody else. So I think it's, it, you're right. It's important to know um, who we are and our personality before we can really kind of discern where God is working in our life. So I'll use myself as an example. I took a, a, a quiz um, today, uh, a little bit earlier, and uh, learned that I was a primarily a seven with, I guess there could be wings, there could just be kind of secondary, a five and a two. And if you came last night, you learned a little bit more about those. Um, and I felt, I remember reading them uh, originally, and I didn't feel like I'd be able to uh, determine them on my own because you're you're kind of looking at them quite as an absolute, like, Am I, what number am I? When it's usually going to be a combination of the numbers. Um, so seven with a five makes a lot more sense of my personality. But let me ask you, Tobin. So let's say I, I learned that I'm seven with some five. Um, how can I take that information into my week, um, into my work or my relationships, and use that to better navigate uh, the nuances of those situations? <laughs> well, it's kind of fun that you're, we're starting off with a seven because a seven is really the funnest, the funnest, perhaps the most energetic of all the nine types. So, uh, and Woo-hoo. each of the nine types, yeah, that's you. So the, the seven is the enthusiast. The seven is the one that says, everything's good here. Life's good. And I, and if it's not good for you, I'm going to make sure it's good for you. Uh, they're a butterfly. They're kind of a fun monkey, and they even have a green. The color that that sevens have is a, is the color green, which is good to go. Let's just go mm-hmm. have some fun. So it's 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 all about. It's really about having more fun in life. It's it's don't worry, be happy. It's hakuna matata. Yeah. Uh, it's um, it's every day is a snow day kind of a perspective on life you know the, the days out the sun's always shining um they're very winsome they're very fun extremely charming kind of folks they're they're very spontaneous you know let's say you and i decided right now hey garrett you know let's get out of here and go to a movie you'd be like sweet shotgun right right so i mean it's that kind of thing very spontaneous very fun very let's just not dwell too deeply in anybody's pain Let's just get rid of that fear by going and having a great time. Uh, you know, they're they're the kind of folks that you know, almost have champagne in the veins, hmm. right? Uh, Peter Pan, right? Okay, would yep. be would be. I don't want to grow up. Uh, Robin Williams would be a classic character. Amadeus Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart from way back. An example of someone who's a healthy seven would be a Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. And Colbert is all about absolute hilarity and sanity, but yet because he's he has done internal self-work, he can actually be quite perceptive. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and pastoral and able to tell the truth. So um, anyway, those are just a, those are just a few a few things. You know, their vice would be extreme. You know, almost gluttonous. But the virtue would be they're just realists. Hmm. They have a realistic uh, view of life and don't let the the pain get us too down because it's all right to cry every once in a while, but then you got to figure out what to do. Hmm. Let's go to a ball game. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of a fascinating thing. Now, when sevens find themselves under stress, um, they're going to resonate to a one, which is a perfectionist, to, to help them stay on track, to help them finish a project, to help them bring a sense of completion. You know, sevens are said to be the kind of people where they start slow and then they taper off. (laughs) So a one is a really good default when you're under the gun or when there's, I got a deadline tomorrow. If, if a paper's due tomorrow, uh, it's probably going to be the night before when a seven really jumps into the chair, puts the seatbelt down and gets it done. How am I doing so far? Yeah, I mean, college was was rough. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, and on the other hand, when sevens are functioning from a healthy place, they're they're going to uh, want to go to a five. They're going to draw a lot of energy from a five who's an observer and who is introspective and quiet, and they're actually almost zen-like. Mm. Uh, they're able to get outside of themselves and watch themselves and other people in a room and just be an observer and then be able to categorize it and be very pastoral and say, here's what I've noticed. Did you notice this? So kind of a, kind of an interesting, kind of an interesting dilemma there all the way through. But sevens that aren't self-aware, they're going to have a hard time holding a job. They're going to, they're going to quit and move on fast Mm -hmm. because Hey, it doesn't matter. It wasn't fun anymore. Hmm. And uh, so it's, it's a unique fun-loving, extremely charming. They can get out of trouble really fast because hmm. they can talk their way kind of in and out of stuff. And uh, who doesn't want to be a friend with a seven? Yeah. You know? So, that, you know, that's a that's a seven. Like, for me, I'm a three. And, you know, the other thing with the Enneagram is when you read these initially, I have yet to know anybody that's read it the first time through and said, Oh, that was really good. Usually people read through it or hear about it the first time and they're kind of offended. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's stupid. I'm going to throw that book away. In fact, I actually heard someone say I, I picked up Richard Rohr's book on the Enneagram, read the whole book, didn't like it, threw the book away. Hmm. But since then, I went back and bought it again huh. and learned to appreciate what was actually happening in there, which is self-awareness, what I'm good at. And when I get stressed, where I default to, and that's as helpful as how I am wired, hmm. because I can learn then to catch in real time how I'm spiraling in ways I don't want to be spiraling and practice self-care and some boundary work and do my own internal work and say, okay, for a three, I am just project oriented. I'm success driven. I'm a workaholic. I'm every kind of a holic. That's I get stuff done. In fact, as a country, we're made up of successful achievers, high achievers, mm-hmm. right? And that's a good thing until it becomes a bad thing. Right. When you can't think straight, 
and you just need to go and take a nap. So when I get under stress, I default to a nine, uh, or and I need to learn to be able to stop, push back, go outside. Nature is fabulous for threes, mm. and just sit and enjoy the moment and be mindful um, as a way to disengage my to-do list because threes, we don't want to be distracted. Mm -hmm. We love ideas, but if we're in the middle of a project, uh, we don't like being distracted because it's, it, man, it's all or not. I am, I am in the mode right now. You know, this is what I'm doing. And to get out of that is difficult for a three because they've got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> My father-in-law's a three. <laughs> and he was funny to watch because he always had stuff to do. You know, no time to take a break. No time to take a break. And my wife, even to this day, said, my dad, I can remember my dad would be in the garage on Saturday mornings. He'd be out there all day doing stuff, listening to ball games, and I could never figure out what he was doing. Well, that's because he was a three. He was creating things for him to do so that he could feel better mm. about having done all those things. Mm. And in the world of a nine or a seven, what a ridiculous waste of time. Mm. Now, the cool thing about threes is threes make the world go round. Right. Um, but when they get stressed out, they need, uh, they need to default and make their way towards a nine. Uh, when they're functioning uh, very, very well, nines are going to go to sixes who are loyalists and they create plans together that are really good for the common good of all people. So it, everything, you know, it's just fascinating. And then it, so it helps you understand who you are as an individual. Mm -hmm. It helps you understand who you are as an individual in relationship to a partner who's probably not your same number. It helps you learn how to navigate the expectations of each in their personality type. And then at work, it helps you understand different different numbers, different types of people. And it really, it really creates respectful space for people to be who they are, to not be made to feel badly for who they are because God wired them and created them that way. And it allows more voices at the table. The feast gets larger and the possibilities become more immense, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think part of our, I guess, part of our sin nature is we really struggle to see life from the perspective of other people. It totally creates space if we allow it for the other, right? Um, and I think one of the one of the things that's happening in our culture today, in our churches, in our interpersonal relationships, in the way we react with people on social media, is we're less and less willing and tolerant to create space for the other. Um, and that is to the detriment of the common good of what it means for all people to be created in the image of God and to be fellow participants in humankind. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that... Um we need to look at taking, I don't know, it feels it when we take it and we learn more about us, which is really cool. And people enjoy that, that kind of the quizology of learning more about yourself. But I think we would be amiss if we didn't understand that maybe just as significant or not more significant is that 
we learn that other people have different strengths. You know, that it's not, it's not right. just about learning more about yourself. It's about um, learning not just how you interact, but that other people need uh, different situations to handle their stress and to be successful. Um, you know, I think the more that we focus the how important it was to learn, not just learn about ourselves, but learn about others. I think the more that we'll have a better holistic, more holistic view of the importance of identity formation and learning more about yourself is, is, you know, there's value in knowing others and who they are and what makes them who they are unique and what makes them tick and what makes them, uh, engage differently in the world around us. You know, it's like when we, we learn that we know that people are different, but then as soon as we get into a meeting with somebody that, that isn't, seeing the things that we want them to see kind of like throw it all out the window you know mm-hmm. it's like i keep repeating myself and they're not changing their mind and it's like well maybe because they're different and uh, they're thinking about the situation differently than you and uh yeah we can be reminded of that i'm sure yeah. on a regular basis i'm sure oh, totally true so you know i mean before we run out of time it might be helpful to at least run through the the nine um and i'll do them in groups of three because that's how it's they're configured in the enneagram there's eight nine and one and they're lumped together and those are the gut the gut kind of folks, those are the doer kind of folks. Those are the, those are the ones that in the, on the dark side are driven by anger. Um, an eight is a challenger. So they're driven by injustice. A nine is driven by, um, wanting to maintain, uh, relational connection at all costs. They're called the peacemakers. Mm. Um, so conflict is negative connection is positive. They're unique out of all nine in the sense that they have the ability to really understand all the other eights, the strengths and weaknesses, and bring all of them to the same table at once. The hard part about nines is they don't, they don't see their own dark side. Hmm. So it's fascinating. They tend to be a little more passive aggressive. They tend to be uh, a little more... Um, Oh, goodness. Passive aggressive and just kind of downright stubborn, Mm. actually. Uh, And then there's the ones who are the perfectionists. And it's all about getting the A plus every single time. I mean, Mm. we were talking earlier. They're the ones that go to Ikea and buy a new piece of furniture to put to put together with all the parts and they open up the directions they'll read the directions and one of the first things it'll say to be to do in the directions is make sure you got all the parts and at least 50 percent of the time for me when i bought stuff from ikea something's missing mm-hmm. right so now you're forced to make a decision do i put this thing together with just the parts that i have and others that maybe are laying around the house and i can make it work with some good glue gorilla glue or do i drive all the way back get the right yeah. piece come back and put it together again so ones they have to go back to the store right okay and get the right tool or the right piece now in the event that they wouldn't and they would put it together with it missing a piece or two they would absolutely disdain that piece of furniture when it was done because they knew they put it together without all the right pieces. Mm. And, it, and literally, it will ruin their day. Every time Beca- they look at it. They'll every see. time they look at it, it's a reminder that it's not an A, it's only a B. Yeah. And they just can't deal. Um, anyway, that's, that's the perfectionist, yeah. right? Uh, so that's the eight, nine, and one, and those are the gut kind of folks. Then there's the two, three, fours, 
and those are the feeling driven people. Twos are the twos are the helpers. They they gain a sense of of gratitude knowing that they've helped someone else. So they're they're very service oriented, helper oriented. Um, and then there's the threes. The threes are the achievers. They got we already talked about threes because I'm a three. We got a list of things to do, and we're going to get it done, and we're going to be successful, and we're going to look that part and that image in everything that we do, and nothing is going to deter from that. The the saddest person on the Enneagram is a three that has failed because hmm. they just don't know what to do with that kind of failure. It, it totally destroys them. Fours... Fours are the creatives, and the creatives are fairly melancholy. They're, they have to be original. Hmm. So oftentimes it's artists and musicians and poets and writers, and uh, they have, they're okay being melancholy. They, they have a tendency to go through life thinking that others have something that they don't have and they want it. Hmm. Um, but very original, very creative, uh, totally able to think outside the box and take us to new places. Like, let's put the first human being on the moon. Hmm. A forethought of that. Hmm. And fives are the investigators and the observers. Fives are... They have to figure out how to do that. They're the ones that figure out how to do it. The uh, the they're the ones that figure out how to put a man or a woman on the moon and to get them there and back safely. So they spend a lot of time autonomously as themselves. They're heavy thinkers. Uh, it's all about the thinking. So five, six, and seven are thinkers. Uh, and it's, it's all about the world of their head. In fact, they have this incredible way of almost being emotionally unattached even to relationships to almost view themselves outside of their body even when they're having a conversation with somebody else just so that they can observe all the dynamics Mm. that went on in that conversation and then they're the ones that are going to create categories and a process uh, to identify the different moves that happened in that conversation Mm. even though they were a part of it so it's a fascinating thing I'm not a five so I I can only dream of, 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 of being that way. Uh, and sixes are the loyalists. And they're the majority of the population, actually. Most people think that sixes are about 50% of the whole population, which is interesting for me as a pastor because it means about half of our folks are sixes. They're loyalists, and they need to feel safe. They need to be safe. So if you're going to do any kind of change in a church... For me as a three, which is all about getting it done, I need to recognize that that a six needs to feel safe before they're willing to sign on for that. And that's something I would never even cross my mind. Uh, So the beauty of this is, back to the one body, many parts, it is one body. No one individual is all parts of the body. We need each other at the table to be able to accomplish anything in the world uh, under this banner called the kingdom of God, which is really the representation of hand, the hands and feet of Christ on earth today. So it's it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating deep dive yeah. into 
human personality, uh, relationships, and then group dynamics. Yeah, that's cool. You know? Yeah, thanks so much for sharing so much with us uh, about the Enneagram. Uh, I really think that these type of tools can be core elements of discipleship, right? So sure. as a church, we yeah. can, well, as a church, we're kind of charged to to help people, you know, um, know God deeper, even though we said knowing God means about maybe knowing yourself, grow closer to God. Um, you can do that by knowing uh, more about yourself. And so as a church, we get the opportunity to hopefully help people learn about that and walk through that process and find value in that. And then therefore come out of that a little bit changed, uh, maybe softer to people, but hopefully a deep understanding of who God is and how he's worked in our life. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank, thanks again for, for being on this episode. And um, as always, you can find out everything about PPC at ppc.church. And uh, if you haven't already, um, make sure that you join us on Sunday mornings at 930. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Bye. Garrett. Bye.